0: Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Let's read together. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification that is the word of god let's pray father god we love you lord we thank you for your word that so clearly states that jesus christ was a free gift lord god a free gift that we did not deserve, and we still don't. Lord, through your grace, through your mercy, we can, through faith in Jesus Christ, have eternal life with you. Father, give us a heart that wants to spread that message to the world. And if there are any that do not know you, I, feel, I pray that through your will, they will stumble upon this post and hear a message that is life transfer- transformational, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah,
1: you know, The United States has faced historic catastrophe. The economy has tanked. Unemployment has reached unheard of levels. Businesses are going bankrupt. And all because of the decision of one man, the President of the United States. But also, that one man has made the decision to open up the country to get it back on the ground. Oh, sure, he received counsel from a variety of different individuals who weighed out the options and and sought to determine what was best for the country. But in the end, both the decision to shut down and the decision to open up came from that one man. His decision, however, came because of another individual. As one of our devotions pointed out this week... Someone in China contracted the COVID-19. And that individual, whoever it was, wherever it came from, then spread that disease out to everyone in Wuhan, China, and then on to the rest of the world. From there, the globe was covered with COVID. The decision of one person who brought about that sickness came death and economic destruction for the world. Our passage in Romans chapter 5 forms a transition point here in the book of Romans. From chapter 1, verse 18, to chapter 5, verse 11, the Apostle Paul has emphasized that humanity is in sinful rebellion against God. He spelled out the deepening degradation of the human race, Culminating in that final word in Romans 3. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He then spoke of God's remedy for it in the person of Jesus Christ. But one thing was missing. Where did sin come from in the first place? And how is it possible that one person, Jesus Christ, is able to bring about salvation, health, life, for many people. Before Paul can go on to speak then about the wonders of this new life that Jesus Christ has provided for us, he must first answer those questions. For These questions are the questions of any inquiring mind. Anyone who wants to know, is there a God? And if there is a God, how did the world get into such a mess? Furthermore, they want to know how we can claim that some man 2,000 years ago has anything to do with how we live today and what is going on. So Paul anticipated those kinds of questions. And in anticipating those questions, he gave us the answer here in this text that we're looking at today. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he provided the church with clear answers for those who truly have a seeking mind. And so as we study this passage, I want you to keep this thought in mind. Without the preaching of the church, unbelievers will fail to understand their precarious position and turn to Christ. What does that mean? Well, Unless the church shares the good news about who Jesus Christ is, the people who do not know Jesus as Savior, that do not experience his new life, won't realize the danger that they're in. And in not realizing that, they will never turn to Jesus Christ. You know, the whole story begins before Genesis chapter 1. Our text doesn't refer to the time before time, But the Bible does. And so it's important for us to connect the dots between angels and Adam. What do angels and Adam have to do with each other, you might ask? I know some people teach that when we as human beings, when we die, that we can become angels, but that's a fallacy. Touched by an angel and and other movies like that, those are just hypothetical. But they aren't reality. So why do we bring together angels with Adam today? Because it might help us understand what we're talking about when we read verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. You see, before God created the material world, God had created another world. We call it heaven, or the spiritual realm, but it actually, the spiritual universe, as we might think of it, is, includes both heaven and hell. It is a place of perfection in heaven, a place of innocence, but it is also a place of wickedness and judgment in what we call hell. You know, sometime before God created the material universe that we're used to, one angel, an angel that at that time had the name Lucifer, but we know today as Satan or the devil, dwelt in that perfect paradise with God. It appears that he was the worship leader of heaven, sort of what we saw earlier with the musicians who were uh, singing for us, leading the people into worship, whether through music or... Or prayer, or just celebration of who God is. Well, it appears that at some point Lucifer decided that he wanted that worship to come to him rather than to go off to God. And so he in his pride he sought to elevate himself up to the place of God. And as he did so, he led one-third of God's created angels, led them off into rebellion against God. Now you might wonder, how could anyone living in heaven with God ever consider doing such a thing? Well, it was because the angels were created in a sense like human beings were created. That is, we were created immature. Not fully understanding all the things about life. Not even fully understanding God and his character and nature. And though they were created without sin, they had to grow in knowledge and they had to grow in trusting God. Lucifer failed to trust God. He began to think of himself as another God or as one who deserved what God was receiving. The problem for the fallen angels, however, lies in the fact that they don't die. As a result, when they rebelled against God, there was no way for them to be restored to a right relationship with God. Fast forward to the creation of Adam and Eve. The bodies of Adam and Eve were created from the material of this universe, from dust They were created. This, As a result, they were physical and they could die. They could, through that material body that you and I have, as we know from our own experiences, that this material body is deteriorating as we get older. Like the angels, Adam was placed in a paradise in a perfect situation. And in that paradise, he was able to interact with God. He was able to fellowship with God. And like the angels, our ancestors were also immature. They too had to grow in wisdom and in favor with God. However, like Lucifer, they sought to become like God. When Adam rebelled, which our text calls sin, his actions brought death into this world. As humans, we take a a look at the curse and we see death as part of that curse. And rightfully so. However, the very curse of death is what makes the difference between us and the angels. Because we die... We can also live again if we repent of our rebellion and return by faith to God. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. For the story has a long history before we get to and they lived happily ever after. Notice how this passage helps us to see a connection between death and decisions. Death. When Adam decided to sin, death came into the world. That death of the body that Adam eventually died, and every human being since him have died. But his decision polluted the whole universe with knowledge of good and evil, as he ate of the fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so into this world came an understanding of good, that is, what it is to know God, but also of evil, what it is to rebel against God and to want to set ourselves up as God. As a result, humanity was separated from God. That relationship that Adam had with God was lost. Humanity then thinking that God was separate from them, began to think of themselves as God. They began to wish to be like God. And so they continued in that rebellion that their ancestor Adam had begun. Look at verse 12. And so death spread because all sinned. Death spread to all men, to all of humanity, because All sinned. Now don't blame Adam then for the problems that you and I face. The problems of this world can't really be laid at the feet of Adam. Every human being has made the same decision that Adam has made. A decision to rebel against God. A decision to make me God. To set myself up. We have all failed to trust in the true God. Admittedly, it's a little harder for us because we didn't have the actual presence of God that Adam had. And yet, still, God has given to us a clear understanding of his character and nature through creation. He has also given to us a conscience. Every human being has an inner longing to do what is right through that conscience that God has given to us. Or as we read elsewhere in the scripture, God has placed eternity in our hearts. Thus sin is a decision. It is a decision that every one of us makes as we continue to say, I want to be like God. Or as our text states, and so death spread to all humanity because all sinned. Yes, Adam made a decision, and that decision did affect all of humanity. No one has escaped. Death reigns over all, or as Benjamin Franklin wrote, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except, yes, as you know it, death and taxes. The death God warned Adam about had physical, but it also had spiritual consequences. A spiritual death... That kept human beings from being able to sense the presence of God. To know God in his perfection and in his purity. There was also the physical death, of course, of the material body. This tragic decision that Adam made led to death entering into this world. And an extension of that decision by every human being since Adam. That results and death for all of us. In other words, even though I am born into a world that's far different from the world in which Adam was created, I still choose daily to see myself as a little god. I want the world to fit around me. And that is true of every human being. The wealthy, believe that they created their own wealth. They believe that they've created their own world, that they deserve what they have. The poor think that they deserve what the wealthy have and that they have should have that as well. The alcoholic drinks himself into a stupor because life has not treated him as the royalty that he should be. The cutter hurts herself in an attempt to get high but also to draw attention to the misery of her life. But as we think of this, how can, how can God blame human beings who have never heard of Him, who have never heard of Jesus Christ, who have never read a Bible, or at least have never experienced the presence of God? How can He blame them for sinning? Is it fair that death should come upon all if they've never heard the gospel, or if God has hidden himself? Paul's answer to that is, why, of course, yes. Notice how, then, that our text makes a contrast with lawlessness and law. Lawlessness and law. I consider this question. Can you have lawlessness without law? Well, the answer is yes. I think of the novel that was written, actually, the year that I was born, that we were forced to read about when I was in school. It is a novel titled Lord of the Flies. The author wrote a fictional story of these British boys who got stranded on an island without any adults. And those British boys began to form their own government, since there wasn't any legal government on that island. They began to set up their own rules. And it's a ghastly story of humanity making its own rules that permit lawlessness. And that's what Paul means in verses 13 and 14. He says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet, Death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. I think of it this way. If, if someone from another state drives into New York City and then turns right on red, will the traffic officer see that they have a license plate from another state and say to himself, well, Since they don't know our law, I guess I won't give them a ticket. You're dreaming if you think that's going to happen. No, that ticket is still going to go. Whether they knew the law or not, they violated the law. Or if you become infected with COVID-19, but you have no symptoms, you're asymptomatic. And then you go out and you don't wear a mask, and and you interact with people close in social context, and someone gets COVID-19 from you, does your failure to wear that mask or to have that social distancing, does that excuse you? Of course not. You see, God has made his presence and his righteousness apparent to all people, even if they don't have a Bible, even if they've never heard of the name of Jesus Christ. They also have a conscience within that sometimes accuses them and sometimes excuses them. Whether a person has ever had a Bible, ever had a sermon preached to them, ever heard anything about Christianity, they're still setting themselves up as little gods. They're still going against God. And in doing so, they're going against their conscience and they're going against creation itself. They're setting up their ideas of what is right and wrong rather than seeking to find what is the truth. While God holds the people who have more knowledge more accountable because they've received God's law, because they've received the scriptures, because they've heard about Jesus Christ, the fact is, All human beings stand guilty before God. Everyone. Their judgment, then, is still certain. Death is no respecter of persons. And death is the indicator that proves that you and I have sinned.
2: You may need to stretch for a moment, but don't leave now. As bad as the news has been about sin and death, God has an antidote that we will be sharing in a moment. That good news along with answers to other questions, are contained in a book we would love to send you upon request. Also, if you need a Bible, you may request one along with the book by emailing us at metbaptistoutlook.com or writing to us at Metropolitan Baptist Church, 1624 84th Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11214. We also encourage you to listen to other messages by going to our website, www.metbaptist.com. That's www com. Let me remind you, our members and friends, that you may support the ongoing ministry of this church by giving through our website at MetBaptist.com or by sending a donation to Metropolitan Baptist Church, 1624 84th Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11214.
1: Now, let's rejoin the message in progress. This still doesn't quite answer the question of fairness. Is it fair? that one man, Adam, in eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, should bring condemnation on the whole of the human race? Should you and I be judged because of a decision that he made? Well, Paul addresses those questions by speaking about the antitype and the authentic the antitype and the authentic persons. We're talking about Adam, who is an antitype of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself. What is an antitype? Well, an antitype is an individual or or a thing that is the opposite and opposing force. Adam is also, though, a type of Jesus Christ. An antitype, Opposing a a type is one who is similar to. And so Adam is actually both. He is a type of Jesus Christ because he is the first of the human race. And Jesus Christ is the first of the spiritual race. Adam is also, however, the antitype. Why? Because he failed to remain righteous. He brought sin and death into the world. But Jesus Christ, he is... The authentic human being. He is the only perfect human being. And he brought life and righteousness into this world. And that's why we read in verses 14 and 15 that Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more that the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. You know, the great enemy of humanity is death. Why did we shut down this, this nation and, in a sense, shut down the world? Why? Because we were afraid of death. The writer of Hebrews says... That we as human beings, that we are enslaved by Satan because of our fear of death. Adam brought that death into the world. <clears throat> Throughout the New Testament, death is actually personified. That is, it's given characteristics as if it was an actual being. Most of you have seen pictures, haven't you? Of death dressed in the black hood and and. You know, you can hardly see the face and you see the skeletal hands coming out. You know, as, as such, we humans, we know that, that that's just a, a picture, that that's not a reality. However, we still fear it and will do almost anything to avoid death. For millennia, the human race has attempted to find a cure for death. Whether it's Ponce de Leon as he searched for the fountain of youth down in Florida. Or whether it's the rumors about being able to drink from the Holy Grail, which was the cup that Jesus drank from during the Lord's Supper, which of course is a fallacy. Or if it's just a pursuit of medicine to make us live longer. Yet death still reigns no matter what we attempt to do. Adam will never be forgotten because of his gift that he brought to the human race. The gift of death. By opening Pandora's box that brought evil into this world and with that evil brought death, Adam will be remembered. The story of Pandora's box, however, had an interesting twist to it. For when that Pandora opened that box in Greek mythology. Out came all forms of evil, and then she put the cover back on. And when she put that cover back on, there was one thing left in that box or in that jar, and that was hope. Hope remained in the jar. For Adam and Eve, their sinful rebellion and God's curse brought the result of death But it also was mixed into the tragedy of that curse with hope. The hope of a Savior who would soon come. There was going to be a new Adam that would enter into the world. One that would crush the head of the serpent. He would defeat Satan. And Satan's defeat would bring about the defeat of death itself. At the right time. Pandora's box would be opened and hope would be released into this world. And that's what Paul is now turning our attention to as we look at this contrast between Adam and Jesus Christ. You see, the first Adam was a type, but the last Adam was authentic man. The first Adam was like a shadow with no substance. The last Adam is the reality of God's creation. The first Adam is of the dust and of the dust shall return. But the last Adam was from heaven and could not be destroyed. The first Adam failed to trust God. The last Adam came for the very purpose to do the will of my father. The first Adam being mortal by sinning brought death to all of his descendants. The last Adam being raised immortal gives life to all of his spiritual descendants. As the scripture says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this comparison between Adam as a type and Jesus as the authentic human being is not simply about life and death in this physical sense. If that were the case, then who really cares how we live? You see, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they teach, and other cults like them, that if you do not follow their form of religion, if you do not follow their belief system, well, don't worry about it. Because once you die, you're just eradicated. You are gone. There is nothing after death for you. But I say to you, if that's true, then eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow you're going to die. Yeah, might as well party it big now. Who cares about whether you live in eternity or whether you die and feel nothing? But physical death is not the end. We read in Hebrews, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the judgment. Yes, Virginia, there is life after death. And that life after death means facing a judgment before a holy God. And so our text, it ends with a contrast between judgment and justification. Judgment and justification. You see, judgment for those whose condemnation is sure, they will face eternal punishment. <clears throat> Justification for those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, who by faith believe that he has taken their punishment for sin, their sins, taken that punishment on himself. And so, as the scripture says, judgment is, follows death. That means that every human being continues to live after we die. And they will all come before the judgment seat of God. Every thought, every word ever spoken, every action ever done will be brought up before God. And with each revelation of those thoughts, of those words, and of those actions, there will also be revealed the inner motive in that person's heart. The Boy Scout who walked the old lady across the street did not do so because he loved her and sought her welfare, but because he would get a merit badge and be recognized as a hero. Every motive and every intent of the heart is going to be flashed onto that video screen of heaven for all to see. And that's the meaning of verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. What is that final word that you will hear from God? Will it be, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. you condemned in the rebellion of your heart, the hate for God lying open like pus on an infected arm. Children, teens, adults are so infected by Adam's rebellion and their participation in that rebellion, they see themselves on that day as they really are. They see themselves as selfish, as manipulative. They see themselves as hateful and spiteful and lustful and envious and on goes the list. But the free gift, the gift that comes to us through Jesus Christ, that alone can cancel God's judgment and bring justification. We've talked a lot about justification in our study of Romans so far, but just in case you don't understand that term, justification means that God, as judge, declares that you are not guilty any longer. That all of your past is as if you had not committed it. It is gone completely. Any record of all the sins that you've committed, any record of your rebellion against God is wiped out completely. But how can that be? How can it be that we would hear on that day, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest when we know that we have done wrong in this world. How can it happen that we can have this new life, this white slate, a white clean slate? How can all this be? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, the antidote to sin with all of its physical and spiritual death, and the judgment that comes with that is the death of Jesus Christ on that cross so long ago when He absorbed the full wrath of the Almighty God against sin for all who would put their trust in Jesus Christ. And after absorbing it all, He came forth from that grave unharmed to save all who would accept Him, Jesus Christ, As their Lord and Savior. And so I ask you. Which would you rather hear? Depart from me you worker of iniquity. Or would you rather hear? Well done good and faithful servant. Would you rather stand before God guilty and condemned? Or would you rather stand before him justified by faith in Jesus Christ? You see we're still making decisions. Just like Adam did in the Garden of Eden. We have to make a decision. Are we going to live for God and trust in Him? Or are we going to live for ourselves and try to make ourselves like God? Those are the decisions that you and I face. Will we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ? Will we give Him our all? Or will we continue in our rebellion against Him? And so in conclusion, I want you to think about this. Have you blamed God for letting old Adam sin as an excuse for your sinning? Are you blaming God for letting Adam and his rebellion be the reason that you rebel? If so, then you're without excuse. You have rebelled on your own. You have chosen, you've made that decision and you will stand before God judged. Or have you considered that God has a a perfect antidote to Adam's failure? Jesus Christ. And will you put your trust in him today?